Hello, everyone. This is Luke John Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're in for a treat. And our guest is Christine A. Smith, and uh, we are so lucky to have her here. And uh, just so I can go over this intro with you, she um, is a self-proclaimed aging enthusiast. And uh, the one thing that affects everything as you age is how you feel. And she has served for years as an in-home caregiver, observing hundreds of successes for thousands of interactions with clients. And uh, she is uh, someone who helps folks and guides them through one aspect of aging at a time. And she is someone who hosts the Aging Better Network uh, website as a resource for alternatives and insights. And she's gone through it, and uh, she knows how to help other people get through it as well. And she has also uh, authored a book, right? Uh, it is called yes. the Pre-Act Your Age Journal, Teacher's Edition uh, with Anthra Keys. So um, I, I know it must be exciting for you. <laughs> so I, I thank, thank you so much for carving out some time in your busy schedule to sit down and have a chat with me. I guess to start off, can you tell us about your background and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today? Oh, this is this is something that my husband has had to listen to for years. As I as I served as an in-home caregiver, it was not my first job. It isn't what I did um in earlier decades. He would hear me say very little, no identifying information. In fact, um for a while I also worked for a company, and my boss said, you are so good at the Privacy Act. But I would say, I would let him know that because of the privilege of being in people's homes, I met their loved ones. Often they were adult children my age, and sometimes they were spouses or neighbors. And those people would have one of two responses. So here we are serving shoulder to shoulder and and maybe dealing with an issue that we want to resolve and that person would turn to me and just on the side would say something about what about me when I get to this point. And sometimes they would they would say it with just this this sound of of what can be done. And nobody warns you ahead of time about how you're going to feel your emotions and how aging is going to affect your relationships. And then maybe a different day or a different person would say, oh, I am so glad that I am getting this information together now for the people that will care about me in the future. Or I'm so glad that I've made the, you know, really, car- like you said, I carved out the time for this, so did you. <laughs> but they've really, they've really put forth an intentional effort to create a better scenario for the future as far as their emotions and their relationships 
with other people. So that's how the caregiving and the aging are coming together for me in my mind. The more that people planned ahead, the more that they looked into things they don't even need right now, but they're just becoming mindful of it. They're they're just informing themselves. The more relief I heard in their voice, the more, you know, the look on their face was, oh, I will never regret this, as opposed to a person who's going, oh, I, I, I don't look forward to what I will be in 10 or 20 years. I don't have a plan. And it occurred to me that there wasn't a list of the typical general things that you might encounter as you age. And yet people in their wisdom have just, you know, said, well, I saw that happen to Auntie so-and-so, and and I thought, I'll begin today. I will, you know, put together something so that my loved ones or my doctor or our lawyer, you know, our clergy will just know about this ahead of time. So that's how that's how it began. Wonderful, and uh, I think it's a uh, an excellent journey, and um, and you know, thank you so much for sharing your story. So you started off as a caregiver, and your I think your employer was very impressed with your understanding of privacy and the laws regarding privacy, which is amazing. <laughs> And uh, and then from there, people would, uh, I'm guessing relatives of the, the folks you're working with would reach out to you and say, hey, you know, can you help me prepare for this, you know, aging and, and, how, and what goes on with that? And, and, and um, so I, I think it's amazing because obviously we're all going to get older, right? And that is the plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is People definitely. love continuing life. They love continuing life. And there's this odd little thing that happens where you suddenly go, am I, am I old now? Do other people <laughs> determine that or do I determine that? And right. um, obviously, you know, we love life and we're, we look forward and we plan forward for everything. So I mm-hmm. always say, why would you quit? Why would you hit whatever number it would be, maybe 65? Why would you just quit? planning mm-hmm. to have the best relationships and and um, conversations, um, documentation, um, mm-hmm. even why would you quit practicing ahead of time? Just like if you were going to go on any other adventure, you would want the right gear and you would want, you know, the right um, mindset and you would want some resources, and you'd want to hear from someone who's been there. And so right. that's what I've put together uh, is a, a book where you can go through your aging ahead of time and then go, whew, that wasn't so painful. I don't, I don't need to avoid all that. <laughs> it wasn't right. that bad. <laughs> Absolutely. And so it's interesting that I could I can feel the, the passion in your voice when it comes to this this topic. And you know, I, I always tell people when you when you work doing what you love and what you're passionate about, you don't really work a, a day in your life, so to speak. And so, you know, obviously you're on a mission 
you know, to help folks when it comes to aging. So they plan and prepare for it. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I'm getting up there in years and in aging and I'm seeing the hair is graying and whatnot. And I hate it. And, you know, and I'm trying to dye my hair black and, and, and get rid of the gray. But, uh, but obviously. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. the grayer your head, the better your cred. So you can gain credibility if you've got. Um, some character going on. So, but you, it's your, it's your choice. I'm not telling you what to do. <laughs> Absolutely. At this point, it, it's not much of a choice because every time I die, it, it it always comes back. So I have to, I have to live with it to some extent. So, but uh, you know, it just goes to show you, aging is something you know you can't escape it. It's it's there, and you got to be ready for it. Obviously, some people don't want to deal with it because they may be in a state of mind where they don't want to accept it, but it's something that you do have to accept. It's a part of life. And, of course, and, and you help folks with this. And I'm curious now, how are things – you've been doing this for a while, of course, helping people who are older uh, or people who may not be at that stage yet but to plan or prepare for it perhaps. Uh, how would you describe the current state of affairs when it comes to aging and preparation for aging? And, how's the, and what challenges, if any, has the pandemic uh, made? Wow. You know, I imagined myself going through a grocery store. So this this is metaphorically um, aging, continuing life. You've entered yet a new era. Something has changed in your life, and you're thinking, ah, yes, chalk that up to the number of years it has been since my birthday. (laughs) And um, that you're going through a grocery store, and it's like, you know what? Grab those things that um, make you, you know, turn up the the edges of your mouth. Grab those things that you think, oh, that's my favorite. So, for example, I I served alongside a person who still loved to have that hair dye in. And and I served alongside this person who uh, was... Uh, at that time, nearly double my age as we as we both were caring about the spouse. And I thought, why would someone go to that trouble? And it's like, well, why do I go to the trouble when I'm at the grocery store to go, where's my favorite flavor? You know, so you grab your favorites as you go into your um, upper years, but just don't neglect going into the produce section and picking up what I call brain broccoli because I chose broccoli because some people absolutely do not like it. They don't like the smell, the taste. They don't want it in their on their plate. Right. And then there's other people who are going, oh, give me a hot steaming bowl of that, you know. And I think I, you know, without knowing who loves it or who doesn't, there's always going to be something about those later years that um, makes you cringe um, or causes you to go, let's not talk about that today. It's not really a pleasant subject. Let's talk about other things that are more pleasant. And so I'm just saying, you know, if you're at the store and you're picking out the eye candy and you're grabbing those things that, that make you smile, I'm just reminding people that, when people, when um, individuals would confide in me, 
there they were smiling when they said i'm so glad that we had that second bathroom put on that's just ready in case of anything wheelchair or enough room for someone to assist you know it's got the really expensive tub that we get to enjoy if we have had a surgery or something we just really can't handle in and out of the regular tub so now we've got this great one that's for people that um, uh, you know are more concerned about their safety in the bathroom and so they would just smile and the sound of their voice, you know, as compared to the other. And it's like, ah, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe I should pick up some brain broccoli. Maybe I should open that book, look at one aspect of aging, and determine some, some decisions for myself on my own terms when I'm not really facing it. And it also... Uh, it kicks up your empathy factor. You Somewhere in your life, you have an associate who is providing some amount of care for someone else. And it may be temporary, and it may be from here on. And so your empathy factor goes up, and you're just like, I can imagine how that must be to go to your parent and have to talk to them about things and have them feel disrespected because you know that you just read about that as a factor, as an aspect of aging. And you're like, I know how I felt thinking, if that was happening to me right now, I I would be so discouraged or I would have a reaction. So it just, you know, it helps from a lot of different standpoints to face the future and go, aha, that happens, and now I'm, I've, I've eaten my broccoli. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've dealt with it, and I know I'll be better off for it. Amazing, and I love that analogy of the grocery store grabbing what you like and, and also the brain broccoli. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I'm not fond of broccoli, but I do buy it and eat it because I know how good it is. Uh, for one to eat for their health and whatnot, and to go to that produce produce section and whatnot, and uh, and I'm also someone who uh, who's very health conscious and love to exercise and eat right, and it's so important for folks to do that. Particularly, it helps the aging process uh, run more uh, smoothly, so to speak, and uh, that's so important. And uh, you mentioned uh, the idea of con- uh, the bathroom and constructing planning ahead of time and having a bathroom that's fit for someone who maybe who, who gets there in age, who's older. And I think that's so important and so critical. And so, um, because a lot of folks, um, you know, who are elderly, you know, they have a certain issues where they may fall or uh, break something. And it's tough because I had a neighbor who fell and broke and something and, and couldn't get up and it became, it was an ordeal and we had to call the, uh, the, the uh, paramedics and whatnot uh, so I think um, very important to plan ahead in that situation. I know there are products like Health Alert, which helps a lot of older people uh, in case there's, uh, you know, they can press this, I think, this button or, or in, on, you know, on this gizmo if, they, if there's an accident ever occurs. So it's something, um, it's a godsend for many elderly people. And so I'm curious, um, and thank you again for explaining the, the current state of aging, 
Um, now I'm wondering, where do you see things going in the future when it comes to aging? Do you think it's something more and more people will hopefully prepare for? And, and where do you see yourself in that future in terms of informing and helping others? Oh, I have envisioned quite a bit. I'm perfectly fine letting you know that I have entered the third third of my life because I have lived for 62 years. So if this is going to be my third third, then I get to say that I've probably got 31 good years left in me. And so I I look forward to <laughs> quite a big future of putting together my first career with this career. My first career was a classroom educator. And that's why I titled the book, you know, the teacher edition with answer key. Because as a student, you know, you're 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 facing a daunting test coming up or, you know, a, a page that you need to get filled out before recess. And you go up to the teacher's desk and she has or he has left the teacher edition open and there's all the answers. And you might be tempted to take a look at those and go, okay, I memorized the next five and go back to your desk and finish it. And people are reluctant to look the potential future in the eye. But if they knew they could get a hold of the answers, it might just feel like, okay, just let me get this done and then I can get back out to the golf course or, you know, get back to my grandchildren or what have you. So the future, you know what I would really love to do? And so that I'm kind of I'm kind of weaving the two in together. I would love to hit a classroom again maybe just as a special speaker. And I know that I have already visited with the gerontology head of a university that's just a little bit north of us. I uh, I finished my own degree at that university um, uh, for uh, my teaching, my teacher's license. So I, you know, I spoke with her several years back because I attended an aging summit. And I told her about this dilemma of working alongside people who are thinking, what do I do? How do I even start to plan so that I have someone who will take care of me if I need it? Or how do I plan and prepare so that I can stay as independent as I want to, etc.? And so I would love to hit in my own future. I would love to hit the classroom again and go through this with these people. They are 18, 19, 20 years old, and they want to take classes about geriatrics. Uh, I was fascinated by that. I wasn't, I wasn't interested in this when I was their age. And um, so anyway, I've I've met or met with or seen online some of these students and just finding out what helped them to gravitate that direction. But I want to take it one step farther. I know that in other countries, 
students as young as 16 years old are have elective choices at what we call the high school level. They have the elective choice to take classes that will familiarize them with aging. And again, if it becomes kind of one of those things, you know, it's like, oh, are you taking a language? Are you specializing in a particular science? Yes, behavioral science for gerontology. And I do not find evidence that that exists yet here in the United States. And in my mind, it would solve the caregiver crisis, the lack of caregivers compared to the number of people needing um, caregiving because those 16, 17, 18-year-olds would feel much more prepared. They would know that resources exist. They could even help their own parents to know where they can turn for answers to um, legal, medical, uh, you know, just all sorts of different things, let alone just the, the, the emotional support. And that is my website. So I have two things together, a book and a website, because you need both. You need up-to-date info, and you also need something that you um, use to determine your own choices and to express your own wishes. So these people would find um, an ability there that um, usually doesn't come across their field of vision at age 16 when they're thinking about how independent can I be. And so for, for that to become normalized as a conversation, oh, I'm doing gerontology. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, right now I'm studying, you know, caregiving or, you know, um, medications, you know, just an overview. Or I'm, you know, it's like, oh, why are you doing that? Oh, because the aging industry is a big industry. And I'm thinking when I get to college, I might want to have um, two majors, one in business and one in gerontology, or one in hospitality and one in gerontology. So that's my big dream, is that this would literally become a mainstream elective curriculum and that sometime in hopefully even my own future, it would be, what? Your your district doesn't have that curriculum yet. It comes with its own videos and there's answer keys and, you know, the teachers that are teaching other subjects would be perfectly capable of teaching this subject and probably think, oh, I'm so glad I taught that class. I'm so much more ready for my own parents now. So there's my big dream. Thank you so much for that. And um, it's, it's interesting. You talked about that third third of life, and, um, and everyone has to prepare for it. 
and, and, and that's a great way to describe it, that third third of life. And you talked about how in a, at an earlier third in your life that you were a teacher and you and and you're still a teacher in many ways and you know and you know and i also think that you know god bless all our educators they do such important work in terms of educating our young people and uh, you and you mentioned of course <laughs> uh electives and perhaps people studying uh, gerontology and geriatrics and that there's a, a bit of a crisis um uh, in terms of uh, there's a dearth or lack of caregivers out there so, uh, and obviously you're out there sort of sounding the alarm and, and uh, making it clear that there needs to be more folks in the sector. And, um, um, and I, I think the stats show that demographically we're going to, there's a graying of the population. There's going to be a lot more folks, uh, particularly with the baby boomers, as they keep getting older and older. So there's going to be a big need for caregivers and, and people like yourself. And uh, so... I'm yes, sure we keep helped. eating our broccoli, and we keep yeah. using devices to stay as independent as we can. And we, you know, we're doing everything we can to to live as long as we can. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I guess it's because when I hear someone say this is a problem, somebody should do something about it, I think I'm that somebody. It's like, what can I do to mm-hmm. help these problems? And that's why. I, I've put together the website as well. Every time I hear about something, I think, oh, I know individual humans that needed to know that this existed, but they needed to know about it years ago, and I had no idea how to, what what questions to even ask, what words to put into a search, or what people to trust that would have the correct answer and so i that's that's my life right now is really getting to know the individual people asking if i can put them into the website as a resource put you know their products there um knowing that people can choose yes or no on whether they want to go that direction but to even just know hey Something like that exists. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned how everyone would like to live a long life, and that's a, a dream for most people, I would imagine. And, uh, you know, we all would like to live as long as, as, as Betty White. I think she lived to be almost 100 or even longer than that. And uh, so uh, I think, um, you know, obviously if, you're, if you want to live that long, you have to prepare for it. you got to make sure that your golden years are truly golden so to speak, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so very important work that you're doing, you know, and um, it's so important people um, understand their life purpose. You know, Mark Twain once said you have two birthdays, the day you were born and the day you figure out why, right? And so <laughs> I think you know both your birthdays, which is amazing. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, incredible. Um, so I know you've been doing this for a while now. Um, I'm curious, can you tell us any um, of your most moving or entertaining stories from your life or career? Wow. I thought, oh, I'm so, you know, from the caregiving standpoint, it has been a privilege. And, yes, some days were long and hard, and some moments were not as fulfilling for me as a caregiver. But I stopped thinking of it as 
somebody that's invading privacy or that proves that you've gotten too old. And I just put my chin up one day and I was looking at these two taller people (laughs) and I put my chin up as they asked, so what is it that you do? And I said, I restore humanity. (laughs) They were like, that sounds good. When When a caregiver gets to the end of a shift or when a caregiving family member who's kind of at the 27, 20, 27 hours, you know what I mean, um, 24-7 oh, at that point. But if they step past a hurdle, if they accomplish something, and the person that they have assisted um, says something to them about, oh, I just I just feel more human. I feel more connected with the outside world. I feel like I can face another round of medications. I, you know, whatever it is, you know, oh, thank you for remembering that was my favorite juice with breakfast. Um I thought that's really what I'm doing. I'm just making them feel human again. So, um you know, I tend to just jabber on I think originally you were asking me about a moving a moving story Um, I will simply say that ever since I started talking to people about my concept which is very confusing it's like what do you actually mean ever since I've tried to explain it to people Um, It is the same as when my students understood how to do that math problem or their response was, is it okay if I present my project different than everyone else? And I cheered them and said, yes, yes, do it your way. This is your life. This is why you're in school is so that you can continue on to live your life and do things with your talents and your creativity um the same the same light bulb is seen over the heads of people that are not so much my student but they think wait a minute maybe she's got a solution for my problem and when i am able to explain to them about pre-acting your age and they go, I got it. And now I can give them samples because it's right there on the website. And they go, oh, my goodness, I know who else needs this. Oh, you know what? I just thought of a different way that I'm going to preact to my age. So I will simply say that a person has said, you know our family situation. And I think I'm going to preact my age by taking a course, a CPR course, because what I see in my immediate future is wanting to be capable in the moment and know what I can do and know what I'm, I'm not designed to do and, um, or I'm not trained to do. 
I think I'm going to preact my age that way. And, oh, I just got a thrill. I said, you said the word. You said you're going to preact your age. <laughs> and they said, yes, I'm discovering many different ways. And I just have to tell you, what I've come up with is not new. These things were done by people entering retirement age. These were things done by people, I will say, um, at 75, 85, 95 years old, where they said, you know, I think I did a clever thing the other day. I did such and such. And there was a look of relief on my loved one's faces or um, I know they don't understand why I'm doing that now because I seem so healthy, but I know things can turn on a dime because I've seen it happen around me. I'm just feeling really good about what I just did. So, uh, you know, it's moments like that where I'm just going, all I'm doing is empowering people maybe a little bit earlier than they knew they could or maybe sooner or more they are more informed than they thought they needed to be right now because whatever it is, it isn't happening yet. And they think, wait a minute, you're right. I've dealt with potential, potential issues. In the past, I'll just treat my aging as another potential issue that I want to, you know, have a have a firm grasp on or at least have a clue. So I that's my big emotional is that when somebody goes, "Hey, I can do this." Wonderful, and thank you so much for that. And you know, it's interesting. You talked about restoring humanity and and you know and how people appreciate the little things you do for them which i thought was amazing and you know you also uh, definitely illustrated the joy of teaching there's a joy you get from teaching that it's hard for words to describe right when when that light bulb comes on and in and people can get it and 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 even today you're still teaching right uh you may have gone from teaching young people to teaching a lot more older folks but you're teaching folks how to preact uh, their age, and I love how you put in the title um, that the teacher's edition with the answer key. <laughs> we all, as students, we always loved an answer key, right? Uh, with questions, obviously. And so, um, you know, I think what you're doing um, is is truly uh, profoundly God's work, and and helping people to live lives uh, that are way more fulfilled than they otherwise would. And so I think you're doing excellent work. And obviously, um, as a caregiver and author and consultant, um, you understand the importance uh, of networking, right, of getting out there and meeting folks. And, and, you know, I always tell people their network is their net worth, and it and also it leads to many referrals and whatnot. And so I'm curious, uh, and I, I always give this question to guests, um, what networking advice uh, would you give to folks? Hmm. This is going to be a trip down memory lane for people who have been doing this for years. And for anyone who is in your audience, Luke, that 
is starting out new like I did just a few months ago. Even though I had so much written down, it was my husband who said, you can't just do this in a little seminar in one room in in one city. There are people everywhere who need this. So um, he he really, really had to work very hard <laughs> to get me to network electronically. And guess what I discovered? The people that are sitting at their screens and their devices are no different than what I was accustomed to in a classroom and in a home um, and even in um, some um, independent um, common areas, so independent living, um, some of, sometimes that's one large building. If people don't know, it's just one large building. There's a big common area that people come together in. And even there, I thought, oh, I'm just, I'm just a person-to-person. Um, I, that's the way I've been designed. And then I realized... I'm so attached to this human being who the the light in their windows is growing dark because it's evening time where they are. And the light is just coming up in my windows because it's morning. And I've grown so attached to this person in, you know, a matter of a, a few visits. And I just realized, wow, I have more opportunity than ever before to to discover other human beings who have something in common with what I'm talking about and then to find out that um this person uh, this is the way I put it I'll I'll I now I'm just all over LinkedIn and I'll say you know I'll just say Joe and Mary Joe, I want you to meet Mary. Mary, meet Joe. You two are singing harmony on the same song because you are providing uh, a way for people to remain safe in their homes um, via this particular delivery system. And this person is all about you know, upgrading that kind of delivery system and they also have a heart for these people because they cared for both their parents for 14 years, you know, and they're like, boom, boom, we want to meet each other. And I'm going, that's, is that, is that why I got onto LinkedIn to do this? And I thought, well, it's the way I am naturally. I would have done that in a hallway at the school, you two should know each other because he's really good at pitching and you're really good at catching, so you guys have fun at recess. Or I would have done it, and I have done this, for families who look to me and go, do you know anybody that could help us or any device that would make this easier? Or um, do you know a procedure, a strategy to make us safer or to feel better about what's going on. And I've just scrambled to look for answers for these people, and now I'm doing it a lot. So you are right. When you love your job, you're waking up in the morning thinking about, oh, 
I could try that. Oh, I don't want to forget to check in on that person. And I, I am meeting amazing people. I am thrilled to help them find each other or find solutions. Um, so I, I'm not on all the platforms like my husband is. I am milking as much out of LinkedIn as any human being possibly can and then learning the whole world of websites. And for the first time, I did self-publish part of what I've been writing for years. So this one has a few samples out of the the aspects of aging um, the journal it has a few journaling samples so somebody could just kind of try it out and it's a short read it's less than an hour so in the time that you and I have been talking they would be done reading it they would have had the opportunity to print out um, the pages that they can use that are the answer key and they can also watch me on some videos if they feel that they would like a little bit of guidance. You know, what is this all about? And that one, it's just a really short publication that came out just a few weeks ago, and it's called The Act of Aging. A lot of people have heard or have used the phrase, The Art of aging and people say you know aging well and aging gracefully and you think of it as this person is wise and the the people around them feel good about how they're handling the issues and the bumps and the challenges and the considerations that come along with living more decades than maybe most of the people around them and so i use the book as a convincer to just try one or two or maybe all three of the journaling samples in there to kind of start, uh, I guess it's the appetizer for do I really want to grab one of those journals? Do we? Do I really want to commit? Because if it's in my hand, I don't want to just another book sitting around. I really want to know if it will make a difference, if I will turn to it and say, okay, here's another day. I've got some time. I'm going to do this little quick one right here and be a little more prepared for the emotions that are going to happen, but maybe a little more intentional about how I can respond when um, I hit a bump in the road. And it has to do with living longer, and continuing life. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, it's interesting. You talked about LinkedIn, and I love LinkedIn. LinkedIn, to me, is like a 24-7 uh, networking event. And <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and I, I understand why you might have been reticent about going the electronic route, because nothing will ever take the place of in-person networking. Um, and, it, and there's nothing quite like it. But obviously with COVID, um, this was sort of like the alternative and plan B sort of thing. And so, um, but I definitely love LinkedIn. That's how I, I, I met you through LinkedIn. So, yes. 
and and yes, and so definitely LinkedIn is a godsend. Now you're all the way out in um, Oregon, right? I believe. And yes. I'm in New York City, so LinkedIn helps to kind of connect people over long distances and whatnot. So I do, I definitely love LinkedIn. I think it's great. And uh, you talked about uh, the the book, The Act of Aging, and um, you know because it's a good play on word. You know, people always used to say the art of aging, but um, I love the title. I actually uh, checked out. I I saw the book. Uh, on my Kindle, uh, it's actually part of my Kindle Unlimited, so I could actually read it for free. I didn't get a chance to to, to read the whole thing, um, but uh, loved the title, loved the design. I think it's amazing, and uh, so you know, and it's it talks about again the act of aging, <laughs> and I haven't heard that one before, but I I, I love it, and um, so thank you so much. Um, uh, for talking about your networking advice and and you know you also talked about connecting the magic of connecting people who should be connected and uh, I always love uh, introducing people and connecting people to each other it's um something I've always enjoyed <laughs> so um absolutely and so I'm curious now obviously you've been chugging along um you know doing your life's work and your life's purpose and celebrating that second birthday of course and I'm 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 wondering um as you know there there are social ills in our society um have you ever experienced uh, sexism or ever and if you have how were you able to overcome it Well I think my answer might be very different than maybe some of your other guests So here I am I'm you know middle top of middle age white woman who's 5 foot 5 um i i could blend in anywhere but you know who cannot blend in in the caregiving and even the nursing world is a man even at this point in time, men who are nurses have a very difficult uh, difficult task to find support specific for themselves. And I, I saw one on LinkedIn and I just championed it and cheered it and shared it out going, here is something that is celebrating the men who do everything that a nurse does, including saving lives, noticing details, dealing with families for hours on end, um, and dealing with them, meaning either trying to um, connect them on their own phone device or a family member who maybe doesn't speak the same language as most of the people around them. Um, There's just so much that they do, and here are these men doing this, and it still is considered female. Same for caregiving. Um, If a man chooses that job as, um, you know, as something where he shows up for his shift, and there may be lifting, physical care, there may be meal preparation, just lots of things. There, it, it's, it's, it opens up a different book 
in a person's mind going, he's a man. Does he know how to cook? You know, um, he's he's um, six foot two, and my little tiny mother just looks so, you know, scared or something, you know, of this this person that has entered the home. Um, there can be just maybe the the mental image, and I would say I'm probably as guilty, and that's why I recognize it now. I'm probably just as guilty thinking, well, why would a man want to be a caregiver? And I am just, oh, I have met so many wonderful individuals, male, female, self-determined, just, you know, people that I have gladly recommended to a person that I have given hours, months, years of care to this person and and been able to say, you are really going to like this guy. You know, oh my goodness. And then have it be proved true because then it's two individuals. This person has arrived to restore humanity. And before I know it, they are talking away about experiences and countries visited and um, or this person is so much more tender and compassionate than maybe I have become because some of the routines have just become routine. And this person is all about the comfort and the emotional you know, well-being of a person and I'm just thinking, you know, get get this next task done. And I think, ooh, they have really been a great example to me of how you can start to just make the job a job at times. And so that is what I have encountered is men doing, um, giving TLC to another individual and I loved it when I felt I felt a little bit replaced and I just I just smiled and said, Well, I guess I was right because he was the right one for this job, even though they were so accustomed to me. And I just I heard joy in a client's voice as they bragged about their new you know, visitor, friend, whatever word they wanted to use. And as they bragged about it to a neighbor or to um, a family member. So that is something that I want to continue to break is the thought that it's either it's woman's work or why would a man want to do that? And so I will, I guess it's called a, a bias breaker or something like that. Um, I, I look forward to being part of that where I'm going, of course you're fantastic and of course they all want you. Or um, one day, I'll simply say, I was on another platform and it was Clubhouse. And something happened with the host and the connection 
and I was on the platform, and there was only one other person there, and it was a gentleman caring for the spouse. And as we waited for the host to come back in, I said, if no one has told you this lately, you're astonishing. You are remarkable. You're telling about these things that you do to to pass the time, to fill the gap, to understand better the the needs of your loved one. I just think you're fantastic. And I tell you, that host didn't come back in for like five minutes. And this gentleman was able to talk about, well, I've really been encouraged by you know, these things I've read or by coming on to Clubhouse and just listening to other people, you know, going through the same frustrations and finding new different, uh, you know, ways of solving and ways of enjoying and celebrating and new mindsets. And I just thought, oh, I'm so glad that I didn't sit there in silence going, host isn't back yet host isn't back yet, <laughs> sorry, but that I, I jumped on the uh, the opportunity because this person that I will never be in the same building with, I don't think, um, be in the same room with, but I could hear the heart on just that, just that phone call. And, and I, my, my reaction was, what other books are you reading? <laughs> And it was great, and I felt like that person got a chance also to have their humanity and their worth uh, restored and the least we can do for someone who is daily, hourly, nightly um, showing love that way. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Love the story. And uh, I think it's an amazing, moving story about this gentleman who cared so much. You said you could feel his heart, and and that's just amazing. And you know, it's interesting. You talked a lot about how we have all all of us have these settled, ingrained uh, you know, uh, stereotypes or uh, in our mind that we uh, that we think about um, you know about gender roles and whatnot. And you know, when I think of nurse teacher, I usually tend to think of a woman. When caregiver, we also tend to think of a woman, but it could definitely be a man's job, and men could be just as caring and, and empathetic and, and soft and tender as a woman can be, and 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 you, I think, um, have met men like that and were able to kind of uh, comfort others who may not have or convince others that you know who may have thought that maybe that wasn't the case that a man could be just as caring, uh, but even though a man could be big and tall, they can still be soft and cuddly when it comes to taking care of others. <laughs> so yes. um, I think <laughs> that's so true. And, and um, also instill confidence in that person. We talked earlier about the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, a long, long time ago, almost at the beginning of all this, uh, a gentleman just just talked to me and said, the bathroom can become your adversary. And I I didn't really understand at that point that the hard floor, slippery, it's a private area, 
the idea of getting hurt, of needing help. There's just so many things trying trying to maintain your your skin health and your your hygiene. It's just become a horrific chore and even a point of fear uh, because you hear the stories. Oh, they fell. Oh, this happened. Oh, no one could find them. They couldn't get to a phone. Just it just it, you know it can begin to paralyze a person. And so I, 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 I guess what I'm saying is I appreciate that a man, regardless of his outward appearance, his hair, his, his, you know, height, you know, his age, um, his, his um, background, um, is can bring a measure of confidence to a person who says, ah, he's a man. I I think that he won't let me fall. And I just think, great. If If your gender is helping a person to feel more confidence, then it's ridiculous to sit in a but that's not the traditional thing. That's not what they used to do. I'm not used to that. It's like, ah, phooey. <laughs> Branch out, just like I've had to do and just learning about social media. I am not kidding. I didn't do any social media <laughs> at all until most recently. Um, not on my own anyway. And boy, now you can't stop me. <laughs> Go figure. Wonderful. And, um, you know, it's interesting. And uh, d- uh, don't worry too much about being a latecomer to social media. Um, sometimes uh, social media can be a little addictive, so it's it's okay to be a little hesitant at first. Um, so, But uh, once you get the hang of it, it's okay. But it, it's not the be-all, end-all, of course. And um, But I think you're definitely doing all right. I see you on LinkedIn and whatnot. And um, I'm curious now, um, you know, you, the way that you talk about your profession, what you guys do, it's it's just so heartfelt and so compassionate. And I'm sure others are listening to you, and they're probably very inspired. I'm curious, what advice would you give to folks who are, who are, you know, listening to you and say, I want to do what Christine's doing, um, what what would you tell them? Oh, I learned, um, I learned this from three different situations. So I'll start with the student at the university. And uh, she was recorded doing this. They did a great job. They had all these fun backgrounds and everything. And she was saying, so you're thinking about going to college and you're trying to choose a major. Do you enjoy your grandparents? Are you even mildly interested in history? And then she had a few other questions. She said, if you answered yes to all five of those, then you've got to look into gerontology. So there was that one. So... um, there was my neighbor who was coming home from work. I had no idea what she did for her job. I knew her name and I knew some things about her family. 
And she comes home, and we're on our lawns, and I say, how was your day? And she says, I'm so short-handed at work. And I said, ah, well, I'm short-cashed right now. Maybe we should get together. I'm joking. And she goes, come in Monday. I will hire you. I don't even know what you do for your job. I'm sorry. I, I, I just don't know what you do. And she said, oh, I'm in charge of a bunch of caregivers in this situation, different levels of care, and um, you would be perfect. I've never done anything like that. Uh, you know, younger students um, raising children, but nothing like that. She goes, I've seen you with our neighbors. I know a caregiver when I see one. And um, that launched me. That started it. I never had that on my radar, period. Um, There was a person that I had been friends with for years. And uh, she knew that a situation as far as my employment had shut down. And she said, you know I'm a businesswoman and I am going to have you come to where I'm living in a community, a senior community, and I'm going to talk you up to everyone here. And they, it'll take a while, but I am going to teach you how to take care of us old people. She said that. She can, she could say that because she was 96 and I had known her for decades and decades. And um, she just put confidence in me that I could do this. I was, I mean, to do it freelance. Um, the neighbor put it into my mind that I had a personality, a capability, a a willingness to talk with people um, who maybe were, uh, you know, a number of years older than I am. Um, She saw that potential in me. Um, You, if you wanted to know if that was a direction that you might go, you could check in to, you know, as if you were a student and see if the what you saw in gerontology didn't frighten you away. You could um, ask somebody who is in charge of caregivers, you know, do you see that potential in me? And when I say caregivers, I, I'm coming from the professional aspect of it. Um, As far as family caregiving, I only did once in a while here and there. Um, And then finally, um, a person who is in that category, who is needing any any kind of assistance um, because they've been an expert in their areas for a long time and now they just need to outsource some of the day-to-day, you know, activities of daily living is what it's called. Um, So you can ask someone in that 
in that age category, do they see any potential in you? Someone who's over caregivers, do they see the potential in you? And then you can even check into just the whole idea of geriatrics and see if it doesn't scare you away because you might be a natural-born caregiver and just never even considered it before. And yes, it was so fulfilling. And yes, there were days where I was really tired. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like any, like any um, responsibility, there's going to be days when you're just like, I am never changing a diaper again. You can just all (laughs) stay that way. And I am not talking about adults. I am talking about your kids. You thought, I want to be a mom. I want to be a dad. You know, I want to. And then there's days where you're like, "Um, can I take a sabbatical or maybe change careers? (laughs) You know, just, you know, do the, you know, there are some jobs that you do because they've, they've got to be done and you're responsible, but this could be something that you could truly enjoy. And, you know, you can just try it out. Um, When I was hired, they gave me uh, an entire week of all sorts of training and little quizzes and little things that I needed to respond to and that was great they paid me for it and you know I was encouraged to at least give it three months you know before I you know made a final decision about is this what I want to (laughs) do you know and um, so and then for some people it simply lands in their lap they are the only person or one of the only people that are available for someone. And uh, for them, my website has so many resources and so many support groups online. Um, Or you can even find one that meets in person in your area as things are opening up. And um, just so much, you know, oh, I thought I was intelligent, but I didn't know that. It's like, you are intelligent. You just haven't been informed because you didn't even know that you needed to know that information. So, And that's why I keep saying my website because I've got a section that's got lists of resources uh, that come from all different directions. There's terms that you're going to need to know. There's events that are coming up that would cause you to think, okay, I'm catching on to kind of the rhythm of the way that a caregiver needs to be in order to do their job well and also to survive and continue on without losing themselves in what's going on. And then, of course, caregiving can end when a person passes and it makes a difference, it affects you, and you just need to know ahead of time it's okay if I ask for help because there is help. There is help that doesn't cost anything at all, but it will refill your soul when you're either weary of the caregiving in the midst of it or will be a place where, again, I was online. There was a group of about 10 of us, and the host was the one who said, I haven't been caregiving in years. 
everyone that I took care of is gone. It still affects me. I don't know how it would have affected me if they had simply not woken up one morning, but it affects me how much I invested there emotionally. And meeting with all of you people who are in the midst of it is doing more for me than you will know until you're in my shoes years years down the path and you realize, wow, I just needed someone to validate that. I just needed someone to say, help, and I had some help for them. I I didn't even know what I needed as I continue along uh, that 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 kind of grieving where the responsibility is off the shoulders, but somehow it's still there. Whatever it is is still there. So uh, it is it's a very emotional thing. Aging, caregiving is emotional. And being what I am right now, which is in the aging industry, there are so many teeny tiny niches of of what people can do, materials that they can provide for others, um, innovations and inventions um, that they can create for others. There's a gentleman that I'm just throwing out some, you know, typed words of encouragement to because he created something I wished I had had all those years because he is caregiving for a parent. And so he literally built something and showed the prototype and somebody verified nobody's ever built it that way. And so he is starting his solopreneur while he is still the 24-7 caregiver. And um, whenever someone has gone through something emotional or traumatic, if they come out the other end and they feel like, I'm going to make sure that other people don't have to have it as hard or feel as alone and isolated and unrecognized, if I can help someone else, that's going to help me and we all win. So, wow. I love your questions. I certainly have answers. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. And uh, it's interesting. You talked a lot about how, uh, you know, they should answer certain questions about do they like history? Uh, if they, um, you know, if they like working with or getting along with, uh, let's say, like a grandparent or whatnot, um, that's also great. And if they answer yes to those kind of questions, they, you know, it might be something, gerontology is something they could perhaps take a course in and they could always speak with people who are caregivers and say, do I, do I have what it takes? Do I have the potential? And so it, it's something that a person should have to explore, look into, investigate, dig in and whatnot. So um, I guess looking at it on the other side of the, the, the table here, what advice would you give to someone who's older and they're looking for a caregiver, someone to work with? Uh, what kind of um, characteristics should they be um, on the on the hunt for in, in an individual to see if they have in order to take and hire them as a caregiver? I I'm not avoiding this answer. <laughs> it sounds like it, 
But I love that that is something I could make up a few ideas about. I know that I have crisscrossed with other caregivers. Sometimes it takes two caregivers in a situation for safety for the person and for the caregivers. And sometimes um, there were situations which um, we would crisscross just like for a half an hour. And I know what their personalities like that were, were my favorites, but do you know some of the caregivers were not my favorite personality, and they were perfect. They were perfect for the situation. So caregivers are going to have different personalities, different tolerance levels. They're, they're going, some are just going to joke everything off, and others are going to be very quiet and very busy. Um, but there is a gentleman named Mike George, and he can be found on LinkedIn. And I'm scrambling in my brain right now to remember the name of his website. Ooh, there it is. I can think of it now. Uh, soaring Families, like a soaring eagle. Soaring Families. And because he has been a caregiver since, uh, and I'm not sharing out private information, he has this posted and videos and, you know, just a, a beautiful documentary of since the birth of his son. So this is, at this point, would be just about 30 years. And so um, he saw the same situation. We had difficulty as a family, as parents, allowing anyone else to do the caregiving because they weren't going to do it like we do it. And we are worried, sick, you know, many, many days and months that something won't be done right and that it will cause possibly another hospitalization or discomfort or something. So he has come up with a program for helping family members that care, helping them to know how to navigate not just who to choose, but how to welcome them in, how to prepare the environment of the home, or it could be a person who is living in a facility, but just the family has more peace of mind knowing that someone is checking in on them more often. So he has come up with soaring families, as and he, he puts out things on LinkedIn, oh, I don't know, once or twice a week, of, uh, and, and he... He must have an educator background because <laughs> he puts it as kind of a slideshow to just help you think differently. And it's really to help the families to know how to make that determination, maybe how long to put up with things when they think this caregiver isn't going to work, maybe what they should look for when it's not a good fit, and just how to even start the process of allowing another human being to help 
whether it's an aging person or a very young person, or sometimes there are households where there's more than one person who whose safety and well-being depends on someone else filling in some gaps. So that's going to be my recommendation. Again, it's on the website, but even if he himself has some other recommendations of, you know, who to contact or what what organization has been vetted or when to know that a helpful neighbor is the perfect person to to say we'd like to hire you or maybe it's just not going to work for your family because this person just does things very differently they might be beautiful in another situation but it's it becomes disruptive emotionally for for your you know for your household so I'm so glad, and he has so much experience. And again, another just kind, tender person. He's put this together with his with his wife. And um, I'm just so glad that was one of the questions because I love to put out um, other resources to people to really, really be able to dive in and get more than just a quick solution from me. Um, of, well, this is what I think is good. (laughs) So, you know, someone who's dealt with it has literally trained, taught classes for the families, let alone the caregivers. Um, If I was going to say my favorite, my favorite is the place that I worked for. Um, I loved my three bosses. They were very involved in the life of each of the caregivers that they sent out into homes uh, across miles and miles and miles of area. And they knew what was going on. They would show up. One of them was always on duty. And they would show up in a moment if medication wasn't making sense, if if we needed to call and and um, say, I think something has happened. They are not, the, the behavior is concerning. And so they would run us through a checklist um, and let us know, dial 911 right now. You know, they don't, they're not, they don't seem to be in distress, but something's not right. You're just feeling it. Okay, let's run through so I loved that. I loved that it was a nonprofit. They, as a facility, they have acres and acres of every level of care for memory care, and you know, for you know, nurses in one area. In another area, it was more just people who were cooks and you know, changing out, um, you know, the bed linens and what have you. But those three people, the scheduler, the nurse, and the supervisor who had done it all, they'd been a med tech, they had been um, working in hallways, they had been working in individual homes, they were a CNA, they just they knew all the things that we were going through. And, they, and it was a wonderful fallback position for me if I felt like I was in, inadequate in some way. 
um, or maybe that I had upset someone, um, they could smooth some ruffles. Um, I, I liked that, but I also did it freelance. And it was wonderful. At that time, I called myself the extra daughter-in-law you didn't know you need you didn't you didn't know that you needed until now and uh, so i was in their personal life and home and got to know family members and friends but i wasn't really part of the family so i could maintain a neutrality and a professionalism um for them so Good caregivers, they apparently, and it has been written, they are born, not made. But we can get better with training. Love that. So um, particularly that last part, you said that they're uh, born, but um, so to speak, but they could be made better. Um, an interesting tidbit I didn't, wasn't really sure before, so thank you for that. And it's interesting, you talked about it all depends because, for one person, uh, your your feelings weren't all that great, but then when when they were, as a, uh, let's say, assigned as a caregiver for another individual, it worked out fine. And um, so I guess it really just depends uh, on the person, and, and each person has different tastes and whatnot. And you also talked about how some people may need multiple caregivers, uh, you know, to, to have all the gaps kind of filled in. And uh, you mentioned that lovely resource. I believe the gentleman's name was Mike John. I'm definitely going to check him out. Yeah, it's Mike George, last name George. Oh, sorry. Whoops. Sorry about that. Mike George. Yeah, I probably didn't say it clearly. No, no, it's it's my fault. So, uh, Mike George, thank you so much for that correction. I'm definitely going to check out uh, what he has to say, and and I urge everyone else to do so as well in terms of, of, you know, the, the information he provides on the criteria on how to choose a, a proper caregiver. I think it's um, something a lot of people should know more about, particularly when they're planning, preparing for that third third of their life, so to speak. Um, yeah. I'm definitely curious now. Obviously, um, you're in that third third of your life yourself, and you've probably picked up and, and learned a lot of things um, from your own experience or from others, from what others have told you. I'm curious, what important life lessons have you learned and, and that you'd love to share with the audience? Wow. There is a particular person. Um, you remember, you remember your firsts. In the third third of life, people start to think about what if this is my last? And that that can be detrimental. But people know, or at least at the moment, they think, oh, this is my first. So a person who I served first in a you know a particular. Um, situation uh you know of my employment a person that i served first um was not that much different uh, you know was was close enough to my age that we could just 
chat and understand what each other was saying. We had similar culture and, you know, had some similarities. This person that I served, oh, they had done amazing things. And that's part of the privilege of caregiving is to go, oh, my goodness, I know if this person has been a hero. I know if this person, you know, loves family members who maybe are estranged or maybe have already passed away. Um, I know these things about this person, and I can admire that about them, and I can, um, you know, hold that in a place of honor in my heart and in our conversation with each other. So this person had done amazing things in their life, and they knew that it was really just a matter of time before their life would be done. And this person said to me one day, you know, we're chatting, we're taking care of this and that, and just turned and looked and said, people are getting so upset about this, or they're so upset because they're on that side. And she said, I think everyone's supposed to be different. Why are they so upset? <laughs> and I thought, that was so simple. Coming from a person who had full control over their mental faculties, going, why are they so upset? Aren't we supposed to all be different? And I have, that has gone into my life. And when I reach that age, I'm still a few years away from the age that of when I first met that person. And when I'm going to get all upset about viewpoints, about strategies, about whatever, to remember the face of this first person in that particular part of my career saying something so simple. I think we're supposed to all be different. In that same household, in that same era, this person said, oh, I I didn't know it was going to be like this. I thought I had a lot more time. And I feel like my life my life story should be told in some way. And I've kind of lost that opportunity. I'm I'm weary. And in the course of our conversation, something I said sparked a, a thought. And one day when I returned, she said, I'm just thinking of something at that time of day when I have the most energy and I make it to the computer and it doesn't matter where I start in the story. I just, I just type about it. I just, you know, formulate some of the, you know, what I was experiencing, how that happened, what I thought of that, what, what we did about it, you know, regardless of of 
you know, no no problem about is there continuity from the last time that I did this to this time. And my question was, oh, are you putting this out there for the world to read? Oh, no. This, there's just a select few people, and I'm just emailing it to them. And I'm not saying because otherwise if I don't do it now, I'll never have a chance. I'm just saying, you know, when I woke up this morning, so it was kind of kind of a you know a story starter when i woke up this morning i thought or i felt or i remembered or i wondered if i could still do that you know and when i woke up this morning and i never saw any of that i was i was not one of the people that had been in that that person's life all that time that was that was for me to leave private for her and um, closest, dearest loved ones. and But I was told that it existed and that in part I helped this person to realize they can li- write their life story because it doesn't have to start at the beginning and go linear and be c- carefully described all along the way. It can just be, when I woke up this morning, I, <laughs> and then out come the words. And sometimes I was there when that typing was going on, and, and I could just be so glad that that somebody was going to have that in the future, and they do. Wonderful, and thank you so much for that, for sharing those life lessons and, and imparting your wisdom. You talked about how it's important to think in terms of first instead of last. I think that's very critical. You know, um, thoughts are things, and people need to understand that, and I think that's very important in how everyone is different, right? Uh, what may appeal to one person may not appeal to another. It reminds me when you when you talked about how how one individual you thought may not have worked so well, but then it did work well with someone else. And so I think that's important. And you talked about uh, linear, and, you know, I love that word. You know, so many people think of success and, and life success being linear, but it's, it's never linear. So, um, you know, that's something that people need to understand. Um, I'm curious now, what um, book recommendations would you give to folks? And, and I mean, and what authors do you like and, or, or gurus or whatnot? I have a stack right here. <laughs> so I have a pink colored book. My daughter went into a Bible bookstore and got a Bible for moms. And I, she I, does it even have the date in it? Um, it doesn't, but I'm going to judge by the writing that probably this is from 10 or 12 years ago. And my daughter got it and wrote inside that my son was there in the store when she bought it and approved of it, <laughs> which meant he was four years younger and couldn't care less. <laughs> and so um, anyway, I tend to read the Bible as being people who had just as complex of lives as I do. 
and they noticed things and they enjoyed the sunshine some days and some days the sun was just too darn hot and um, that they had things going on and dishes to wash and that they made regrettable decisions and they um, said things that no one else had really thought of and somebody said, that's a great idea. So that's the way I read the Bible. So the next book is Simon Sinek. A lot of people have read Start With Why. And so he's got a lot of what and why and how in there. And I've got a lot of little sticky things sticking out of the side here of all different colors, those little markers that people use when you need to know which lines to write your your uh, signature on on documents that are pages and pages thick. And I've got those sticking out of there because I am trying to learn how to be a business person. And I still think of myself as new and I don't really know how to do it and I don't really understand it. And then I come up with a business plan that seems crazy, but it gives me direction. And I do come back to the, why am I doing this? Why does this concept exist? Why do I think it's important enough that I would go through all this trouble to get it out to other people. So, you know, when I get kind of lost in how am I going to monetize or whatever, it's like, why am I doing this so that I don't get, so I don't become bitter or, you know, just um, feel a pressure that I'm putting on myself that has nothing to do with, what I'm passionate about, and what I'm an expert in. Because once I fell upon this, I have listened to people talk and heard more and more concepts, more and more scenarios, more and more ways of helping to describe what I mean by aspects of aging that affect your emotions and your relationships. It's not cancer, it's fearing a diagnosis or the next diagnosis. It's not um, incontinence. It's my body is, it has declared mutiny on me and it's ruining my reputation. Um, that sort of thing. So it's not, it's not specific things. It's the general change that happens usually at this point in life that um, can really cause a lot of reactions and and negative emotions. It's not helping anybody. So that's what I'm using for kind of putting myself together, pulling back for a bird's eye view down on why am I even doing this business. Um, somebody handed me this book because they thought it related to me. It's by Jack and Susie Welch. Jack and Susie Welch. Jack was the former CEO of General Electric. And Susie Welch, best-selling management author. But it's called The Hospitable Leader. And so that kind of goes along with aging graciously or gracefully 
or welcoming people into your home that are going to get inside of your independence bubble and probably make you feel a bit uncomfortable at times. Uh, The hospitable leader, and I definitely want to welcome people into these chat arenas, all the different kinds that they can be, Zoom or classrooms. I definitely want people to feel like, I can't wait to go back in there. I'm expected. I have value. They love me, you know. So being a, a, a leader with hospitality and being one who leads others to welcome people in, like welcoming in men who say, I love caregiving. And here's my last one. Um, I've never met her. Maybe someday I will, but her name is Elizabeth Miller. And what she wrote was a journal. So that goes right down my alley because my pre-act your age journal is prompted It isn't just empty pages with lines and maybe some little decorations. And her journal is prompted to cause you to think about yourself because caregiving is where a lot of people lose themselves. They are living for the other person. Um, That could happen to nurses that could happen to people who are volunteers and every time they turn around someone says oh could you help with this too and they think well yes i could and they start to lose themselves not in a selfish way or a negative way or um, a way that somebody might think well that's not good Um, but they start to lose who they really are the reason why they are caregiving or volunteering or or parenting, you know, multiple small children. And so it is a prompted journal. She is, Elizabeth Miller is um, the, the founder of Happy Healthy Caregiver. And this journal is called Just For You, a daily self-care journal. Um, June 5, I will be writing... The funniest movie that I have ever seen was, and then there's enough room here to write one or two or three different movies, and then June 6th, what five adjectives do you think others would give to describe you? And again, it's self-care, not uh, self-deprivation or self-chastising. So what five adjectives do you think others would give to describe you? And I know that one of mine is talkative. Thus, I must always be in careers where it's okay if I talk. I love those book recommendations. Um, They're excellent. And, you know, I love reading books. And, uh, you know, I think we have that in common in the, in the sense that if you want to learn more about something, you, you want to go out and read a book on it. Particularly, uh, I think you, you want to know more about business. And uh, so, yes, that Start With Why book by Simon Sinek. Uh, 
uh, that book has been recommended to me by so many people, including yourself. Definitely have to check that out. And I love the Bible for moms. Uh, the Bible has a lot of great wisdom in it, particularly the section called Proverbs. And, of course, uh, Jack Welsh, uh, the CEO, former CEO of uh, General Electric, and Susie Welsh as well, co-authors of Hospitable Leader. Definitely have to check that out. And The Journal by Elizabeth Miller. Um, and uh, so that, I love uh, journals, and of course, that is great advice. You don't want to lose yourself when it comes to caring for others. Um, so it's so important. You want to still have that sense of self and caring for yourself, and sometimes people do get a little carried away with when it comes to giving too much care, I suppose, but with um, at the expense of caring for themselves. So thank you so much for those um, book recommendations. Can you go ahead and describe all the ways that people can reach out and, and get in touch with you and, and connect with you? Absolutely. Luke, can I ask you if you would want me to ask you a question after I'm done saying the ways that they can get a hold of me? That's absolutely fine. You can give me any question you want. <laughs> all righty. Well, I... I did start a podcast. I have 11 all done, and we do them as good as we can so that we don't have to bother with all that editing, and so far, so good. So I have a podcast where I I tell my guests the prompts ahead of time because I want them to have some warning. They're They're very emotionally charged because it's talking about your your future that most people really don't want to think deeply about. But there's one part that I don't give them any warning on. They know there's going to be a lightning round, and they know that they have to imagine themselves, which is really difficult to go hypothetical, but imagine themselves in the distant future. And... Then I ask them to select a number and I read to them that scenario. And the whole thing is, if you are unavailable to make that decision or make a decision for yourself, or if you're unable to make a decision for yourself, who or what do you want to make the decision for you? The who's can be a very neutral professional, uh, some sort of designee or delegate. They can be, um, you know, you can be as general or as specific as you want. Um, you can say, um, my, you know, my sister, or you can say, you know, somebody that I spend time with regularly, like every week. You can say, uh, you know, an organization, an attorney, a clergy. You can say your doctor, um, you know, your kids. There's a lot of different ways that decisions can be made when you're older, but you're not able to make a decision. And you are fully alive. This is not end of life. One of my guests 
um, about maybe 45 years old, said, you need to make sure people realize this is not end-of-life decisions. This is continued life decisions. So something's going on. It's an aspect of aging. How's your adventuresome quotient right now? (laughs) Hearing me say this. You want to know my adventurous uh, quotient? In other words, do you feel like you just want to hear it and say, that is a tough question. I'm glad I don't really have to answer it. Or Or do you want to dive in and try to say, I know who or what should make that decision for me? Um, uh, that was a, a decision I would, I guess I would like to make, um, you know, uh, I guess, uh, I would like my adventure quotient to be high, so to speak. Okie doke. So this is what's going to happen. You are now projecting yourself in your imagination into your own future. You are unavailable or unable to make a decision for yourself on the scenario I'm about to read to you. So just choose any number between 1 and 20. Let me go with 2. All righty. And people usually stop and think, going, where are the good scenarios? Where are the easy scenarios? Are they beginning, middle, end? I don't know. I just kept typing them until I had a bunch of them. And these are based on real life situations. Hey, this is a really short one. Number two, immediate exploratory surgery has been suggested for you after inconclusive tests at the hospital. Who or what directs medical personnel to either go ahead with exploratory surgery or ask for second opinions from other medical people or simply decline the surgery decline the surgery and go home who or what makes that decision for you you are unable or un, unavailable to make that decision for yourself? I'll go with the uh, second opinion from the medical professionals. And do you know that your answer is absolutely right because that's what you want. Any answer, even even changing what I just said and saying, but this is my preference and this is my wish or this is what I would do if I could make that decision right now. Who knows? Maybe I could make that decision an hour from now, but right this minute I can't. So your answer is absolutely right for you, and that's what these scenarios are about, is does does someone know that that would be your preference if for some reason you couldn't answer or think or uh, problem solve for yourself in that moment? Does someone know that you would prefer, A, just do it, find out what's going on, B, you know what, mistakes can be made or or the first opinion, I need it to be backed up by a second opinion, now it's okay, 
or the third one, pack them up, take them home, you know, things are happening, let's see if it clears up on its own. That, any of those, or even a different one, is absolutely right. The only clue, the only change here, the only um, important factor is does someone know that as you, as someone ages? So I have in my file drawer here, you know, a, a pamphlet for advanced directive, but if I use my journal and I write down, you know, my preference right now is if I, I can't make decisions for my own health, I would prefer you people who are making the decision, you people who are caring about me to know that, you know what, get a second opinion. I would rather wait and not be rushed in um, without you, my loved ones, knowing, hey, we made the best decision that we could. We honored his wishes and we know that we didn't just jump when somebody said, there's a hoop, jump through it, you know, because that's your choice. Someone else will have a different choice and that will be their right choice. You were awesome. You didn't flinch. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, absolutely. And um, and thank you. And playing that fun game um, was uh, interesting and it taught me a lot about how you, you should alert people uh, sooner rather than later in terms of or before you can or before you can't really about what you would like in certain situations. And uh, I think that's important. Uh, but definitely go ahead and um, – uh, if you can, describe all the ways people would, could get in touch with you. So, not a surprise. On LinkedIn, I am Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, dash, dash, Smith, S-M-I-T-H. So, Christine with a C-H and then two hyphens. And then Smith on LinkedIn, you know that you've gotten to the right person if you see hashtag aging enthusiast because there are so many Smiths. I don't need to tell anybody that. I've always said easy to spell, easy to forget, easy to get confused with all the other Smiths. And you can find me. You can find video footage of me and find what. I am offering to people at the AgingBetterNetwork.com website. AgingBetterNetwork.com. I like to put slash home, but it will still get you there. We are also just now populating, so every week it's going to get more populated, Patreon, P-A, T-R-E-O-N or Patreon or Patreon uh, dot com slash aging better network. If you have anyone listening who spells aging with an E, I spell it the other way, but I like it with an E, but I spell it the other way, A-G-I-N-G. Thank you so much for that. And just so you know, the information you just provided will be in the show notes, and people can see it and read it there. 
Um, and again, uh, you know, I wanted to thank you for being a guest on the show. Um, it's, I've learned so much from you. Um, it's definitely been a pleasure, and I'm sure the audience has learned a lot as well. And um, so, again, um, you know, definitely been a pleasure to have you on the show. Is there any last word or any send-off you want to mention to us? I'm laughing. I thought, oh, that's so typical to say one last word. And I thought, oh, these poor people have been listening forever. Um, My last word is I'm the aging enthusiast because in a world where some people are defying age and denying age and decrying age, I think that another another thing that has happened because of restrictions and shutdowns during 2020, 2021, and on has been that a lot of people know how an aging person feels being shut in and being told you cannot make independent choices. This is a choice you can make starting now, and that is to make sure that you intentionally document, communicate, and even start to act on some of those general common, it's going to happen to you or somebody near you, aspects of aging by pre-acting your age. All right. Thank you so much for that. And again, thank you for uh, appearing on the show as a guest. Definitely been an honor and a pleasure to have you here and uh, to have this wonderful, enlightening, and educational conversation. And uh, I want to thank the audience for listening. I'm sure they've learned and enjoyed uh, this conversation so much. Um, So for you guys, I'm going to see you guys in the next episode. And everyone, have a, a wonderful and blessed day. Thank you so much, everyone. Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcast app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, if you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, So uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, That would be great. And if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise, that would be amazing. Uh, Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.